In the name of God, amen. Good morning. Wonderful to be with you, Church of Transfiguration. It's, um, it's been a few years since the last time I was here, which was my first visit to the church. And um, if you don't remember me, I'm not offended at all. I am Marianne Buddy, and I have the distinct privilege of serving as the bishop of of this diocese, um, 88 congregations in the Diocese of Washington, which extend all throughout Maryland, including here in Silver Spring. And um, I bring you greetings from all of your brothers and sisters around the diocese, and I want to extend my deep gratitude to your good and wonderful rector, Meg Engels, for welcoming me, uh, especially on a day of baptism. Is this the one to be baptized in front? Uh, Wonderful. And confirmation and reception as well, who are being confirmed and reaffirming their faith. Raise your hand. Oh, there you are. Wonderful. Um, Such occasions are are blessings for all of us because they help us to remember uh, the reasons why we're here and who we are in God. Now, I have a question to ask you all. If you were to... If you were to ask all the people that you know what they would most like to hear someone say to them, what do you think they would say? Think of all the people that you know, and if you were to ask them if you could hear anything at all from another person, what would you want them to say to you? I love you. That was the first, most, most answered of all. Um, do you know what the second? Any guesses on what the second might be? I forgive you. I forgive you. Um, and the third, supper's ready. <laughs> This is actually a poll taken of thousands of Americans across the country, and those were the top three responses. I love you, I forgive you, and come to supper. And it has occurred to more than one Christian that these three statements are the essence of what Jesus came to show us. It's the whole gospel, one pastor said. Jesus stands stands with his nail-scarred hands outstretched and the light of mercy in his eyes. His voice, his words meet us with warmth as we drag our waterlogged burdens up onto the rocky shorelines of life's most chilling seas. God loves each and every one of us, forgives each of us our failings and invites us to a banquet table. There's another question for you. If you were to walk onto a college campus or to a coffee shop or a bar with people filled, people in their 20s and 30s, filled a room filled with people in their 20s and 30s, and to ask them to write down the first thing that comes to mind when they hear the word Christian, what do you suppose they would say? 
Well, again, one research firm did exactly that. And the most common answer was people who don't practice what they preach. And the reason that most, in the same survey, the, re, the reason that most people give for staying away from churches or any other place where Christians gather is the feeling that they would be judged rather than welcomed. And another survey, this time a survey of young people who were raised in the church but then have decided to leave. Um, and the name of that survey, by the way, is You Lost Me. Um, the primary reasons that young people leave the church are the same, that they feel judged, that they feel that we as, as a community of people do not live by the teachings of Jesus, and um, frankly, we're a little boring. So, now, here's some good news. One Christian writer who spends a lot of time talking to his non-Christian or former Christian friends um, about this perception gap that we have between Jesus, this incredible savior of love and welcome and compassion, and the way we who are his followers are often perceived in the world. This one Christian writer was talking to his non-Christian friends about this, and he said to them, there are three kinds of Christians that outsiders to the faith still respect and admire, right? And they are pilgrims, activists, and artists. Most non-believers are very open to a spiritual path, but they will only listen to Christians who present themselves as fellow pilgrims on the way, rather than as part of a superior class who has already arrived, right? And activists express their faith in the most persuasive way of all because they're out there doing the work, right? They're walking their talk. And art speaks to the human condition. And when believers do so with skill and love, again, others take note. Now, this should all come as very good news to those of us who consider ourselves followers of Jesus, but who also recognize when we're honest right, when we're honest, the enormous gap between what we say with our lips and how we actually live sometimes. Um, we're not part of a superior class, are we? No. And when we live our lives with a degree of modesty about that and attempt to do good in the world as Jesus calls us to do and nurture that creative spirit in us, we join we join the creative energies of Jesus in the world and can be a blessing to other people. Right? We can do that. And it's, it's actually when we, when we take the weight of the burden of trying to be perfect off of our own shoulders and allow ourselves to feel loved and accepted as we are and worthy of love, that we can almost without thinking offer that same hand of kindness and welcome and acceptance to other people, right? And doesn't that sound like a better way to live a Christian life? Don't you want to live that way? I want to live that way. And I want the people that we raise up in baptism to know that they are loved and welcomed and cherished as they are. And you who are being confirmed or reaffirming your faith that you are joining a group of broken, imperfect people striving to walk 
the path that Jesus set before us and that we are welcomed and we are loved and we are accepted and we do our best to extend that to others. Right? That's what we're called to do. Now, are you with me so far? Does this sound okay? All right. Okay, now, if you're like me, sometimes reading the Bible can be a challenge. And I know you guys have been reading the Bible a lot this past year. Um, And it can be a challenge because sometimes much of it sounds like the opposite of everything I've been talking about, right? It can sound so stern and so judgmental, and God is often portrayed as, um, if not furious, at least irritated most of the time, right? Very scolding. And isn't that most true, perhaps, of the more classic texts in the Bible that we just heard a few minutes ago, right? The Ten Commandments, right? And most people who've never even opened a Bible know that somewhere in the Bible are these Ten Commandments, right? And even if they don't know what they are, almost all of them would describe them as things that we shouldn't do, right? Don't do these things. You shall not, you shall not, you shall not, which isn't always the most uplifting way to begin a relationship with anyone, much less God, right? So I've been thinking a lot about this a lot this week. So what, is, so what does God sound like to you in a whole bunch of sentences about what we shouldn't do? Any of you parents? I'm a parent. Any of you have parents? And when I have a friend who was like, he was like a really mischievous kid, and his, um, his mom used to say to him, Andy, I just can't think up quick enough the things to tell you not to do, right? <laughs> and I remember once, this is, so this is when I think about God telling us not to do stuff. I, I think of my, my own kids when they were young, maybe 10 or 7, and I was taking them to New York City, and we were sitting on the subway um, subway station track line, right, right by the track. And if you've ever been in, it's, it, if you've ever been in the subway in New York, I mean, it's a pretty ominous drop on, onto the railroad tracks, right? And there's this this very dirty yellow line that keeps, you know, that tells you that's where you shouldn't go on. And I remember yelling at my kids who were running up and down the the, the side of it. I said, "If you cross that line." And I, like everything in my voice was like, I will kill you if you cross that line. But what I was trying to say to them is if, if you cross that line, you will die. Right? I was trying to protect them from danger by telling them not to do something. And I wonder if we could hear the commandments with God as a caring parent trying to tell us the things that we shouldn't do for our own protection if we would hear them a little differently. I just want to hold that in your thought for a second. And then I want to tell you about a friend of mine who actually, in my hearing, took these Ten Commandments and said, what if we got rid of all of them? What if we got rid of all of them? Here, help me with this. Let's do this. All right, let's see. Um, You shall have no other gods before me. Go ahead. Have any god you want. Right? Make anything of your life a god. It's just fine. You shall not make for yourself an idol. Go ahead, commodify me. Make me something that you can buy and sell. That's just fine. Not a problem. Do you hear hear where I'm going here? Let's see. Let's keep on going. This is fun. Um, Let's see. It doesn't matter what you say. You can talk about me. We can use any trash talk you want. I I don't care. 
Um, work all the time, 24-7 without stop. Hmm. Um, it doesn't matter how you treat your parents or any of the elders. Lock them up in wards or nursing home. Doesn't matter. Just, just get, if they're inconvenient to you, just, just take them away. Life isn't important. You hear what I'm saying? What, what a world that would be. Take whatever you want, whenever you want. Grab whatever comes to you. Life is, life is yours for the taking. You deserve it, right? Do you hear what a kind of world that would be? Or let's do this. Let's, let's try it this way. Let's say them positively. Let's, let's imagine God talking to you and me in the positive. I am the Lord your God, and I, I love you. Um, and here's what he says. I brought you out of slavery, right? I'm the one who brought you out of slavery. I'm not Pharaoh. Do you remember Pharaoh? Pharaoh was the one who held you in bondage. I'm not that. He was your God then. I'm not that kind of God. I'm not that kind of God. I actually love you and want a relationship with you. And I want you to love me. And I hope that you cherish me as much as I cherish you. And you don't have to work all the time to be worthy of me. Right? You, you deserve to rest because you're not a commodity to me. What you produce or what you accomplish or what you attain, that's, that's not why I love you. And you, you need to rest. And not just you, but everybody all around you. Right? Um, I hope that you honor the people who brought you into this world and gave you life. And I hope you know that life is precious. And I hope you know that when you make a commitment to another person, that that commitment is a bond that is sacred and precious. And I hope that when you speak to your neighbor, that you honor him or her and yourself by speaking from your true self. And when you see something that another person has that you want, remember that you are more than what you have or want. That you are sacred and you are worthy and you are loved just as you are. Can you hear that? Can you hear God say that to you? Isn't that what every parent wants to say when we go through our lists of Okay, now don't do that, and when you go, don't, don't go there, don't, don't do that. Trying to create a world of safety. I think God, in these ancient, ancient codes, remember, we're going back 3,000 years now. He's trying to tell us that he loves us and wants us to live in a world where we are valued and cherished and that we can offer that to one another. And the reason Jesus got so mad in the temple that day that we just heard in the gospel, the reason he got so mad was because the, the religious leaders of, their, of his time had turned the temple back into a commodity, right? God was up for sale again, and it just made him so mad right? because that's not who God is and that's not who you are. It's not who I am. And if there is one of these commandments 
that you could practice starting now that would help you remember that? While they're all important, here's the one I would suggest to you because it's the hardest one for me to follow. Remember the Sabbath day. And I don't mean a whole day. I just mean remember to rest. Remember that you are not created to run like crazy just to keep up in this world. That God loves you and wants you to be whole and well and that rest, holy rest, is a way that we can remember that. So, if you can remember nothing else of these commandments when you're going about your daily life, remember that they are of God's love for you and that every once in a while, even when you have a baby that can't sleep at night, God wants you to find a way to rest and remember how cherished you are as you are. And when we start living that way collectively, our witness as followers of Jesus won't be about people who don't practice what they preach, but will be about people who know who we are. It's broken, imperfect people, but who are accepted and want to offer that love and acceptance in his name to all those we meet. I think we can do that. Do you think you can do that? So when we commit ourselves again, as we join those who are joining themselves to Christ or reaffirming our faith, remember that that's what you're committing to. You're committing to a path of love and acceptance and extending that love and acceptance to others in God's name. Amen.